Welcome back to kickoff on Talksport with myself, Hugh Wilsoncroft. Tonight we are joined by the former Arsenal and England striker Leanne Sanderson and the head of player engagement at Kick It Out, Troy Townsend, sharing experiences of the football academies at professional clubs. We've had some really interesting stories so far, and we want you to get involved. If you've been a player in academy, tell us what was it like. Maybe your child is in. Just let us know what the feeling has been, because for many, it is make or break. Oh three seven one seven double two double three double four. This is kickoff. You can also text 81089. You can give us a tweet as well at TalkSportKO. We are discussing it thanks to our excellent three-part series. Get it wherever you get your podcast from. It's called It Was All a Dream, The Football Academy Journey. The likes of Arsenal's Ben White, Crystal Palace's Eberichi Eze, Andrew Robertson of Liverpool. You hear from Les Ferdinand and many, many more, including uh, figures at the Premier League and big clubs in English football describing exactly how they run their academies, the welfare of players, and of course the experiences of the players themselves what it's like being released and how you bounce back to honestly if you're anywhere near a professional academy make sure you listen to this and um, but we're going to get to your calls next up we were asking you've been asking you to share your experiences and i'm sure some of them are going to be really intriguing let's get to susan first good evening susan good evening hello hello T- tell us your experience of being close to an academy it was your daughter i think it's my daughter. So she um, was in an academy and she reached a point of age where she was actually having to go up to the Super League. Um, she was 16, but her age group wouldn't allow her to go up to the Super League. And also she was playing with women, obviously, that had been there already. They were a lot stronger than her. And so she was dropped from the team, from the academy. Um, and rather than her just, I mean, she was obviously very disappointed, as we all were. Um, she then decided to say, well, I'm hanging out my boots, but I'm actually going to go and do my badges. Um, this was nine years ago. She's done her badges and worked her way through. And she now is a coach for a very top uh, women's super league um, age group uh, and doing really well. So although she's not playing the football, she's still doing what she absolutely loves. And it's kind of with all the minds. Um, powers going on at the moment I just think it's a really important thing that if you love the game you need to be staying in it and, and especially for her women's football it's, it's I'm sure Leanne will agree um, it's it's a growing sport um, and although she doesn't play she now teaches others and teaches an age group where possibly they could be dropped at a very precious age and they've been in the academy for a long time Hi Susan it's Leanne um, it's fantastic to hear your um, daughter's experience. Do you think that you would would you say her experience was good at the academy and how they did it? Would you say that was something that was um, wasn't obviously good, but the way they did it? Do you think they managed that situation correctly? Uh, to be honest, it was a bit of both. Um, there was a bit of um, uh, backstabbing in a way, but there was a particular person I think at the club that she was at that really helped her and really supported her um, and kind of encouraged her to move on. Um, you know, not to give up for her love of the game, for the game, and and that's what she did. And you know, as I say, nine years on, she's I'm a very proud mum. Susan, hi Troy. Um, hi. Hi. How did you feel as parents at the time? Um, I, we supported her. Mum um, and dad supported her as much as we could, and wanted her to do whatever she felt was good. Um, I mean, she was 16, you know, she was going to play up against women that were in their 20s who had already been in the Women's Super League. Um, 
that I actually are now not in the Super League, but, you know, she wouldn't have been strong enough. And we had to we had to be honest with her and say to her, but, you, you know, you're actually, you're not good enough, but if you love the game, you, you've got to stay in it somehow. And, and you did and that as parents, Susan. You were able to tell your daughter that, um, you know, she wasn't good enough. I'm not saying it in a bad way. I'm saying it in a way that's um, actually quite a good thing to do because, yeah. you know, I think sometimes with parents, you obviously I'd like to think my mum and dad um, think I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. But at the same time, you know, it's difficult doing that because there are other players that might be better. Absolutely. 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 We have to be really transparent with her because otherwise you're leading them to a dream. You know, we could have tried her with another academy, another Super League team, women's Super League team, and she wouldn't, she wouldn't have got in. She, she wouldn't have done. She was 16. That was good that you did that. Really, really good. Yeah. Susan, how happy is your daughter now coaching? Uh, she's amazing. She's <laughs> absolutely amazing. Brilliant, brilliant. I always uh, like to bring she, it to that great, point. She's a great representative for her club that she's at now. Um, she's at a match tonight, so mm. I don't know when I'll see her. Um, obviously, super proud mom mm. um, <laughs> and dad as well. Amazing. Um, but the fact that she just said, well, I actually am going to teach people what I've been through and, mm. and the experience that I had. It doesn't mean to say that just because you're not going to play, you, you're not still going to be involved with the game. Susan, that's superb. Thank Thanks, you so Susan. much for getting our, our conversation going on TalkSport this evening. Get involved. 03717 That was Susan. Let's speak to Roy. Good evening, Roy. Good evening, all. Thank you for taking my call. No, thank Hope you. You're for, well. Thank you for calling. Hope all you're good. well as well. What's your experience been with professional academies? Well, it was um, my son uh, finished school at 16 and was fortunate enough to uh, get a position in academy with a college place as well, mm. which was great. And it was just before the pandemic um, started. So I think it was the September uh, leading up to the Christmas before the March hit. Um, he got in and he tried tried hard and and shone and they they said right fine we're going to make you under eighteen captain at sixteen which was he was absolutely over the moon with um, was doing really well uh, and they then said right no we need you to be out we'd like you to be under nineteen captain um, which was terrific um, and from that they said right okay look. Um, the under 23s, we know you're playing for the under-18s and the under-19s, but we'd like you to come and play for the under-23s because he was spotted by the first-team manager and they said, like, Can you, we'd like you to go to the under-23s and then started training. But then, like everything that happened, the bad weather hit, the games started to get cancelled. Yeah. Um, and then also... Obviously, then the pandemic hit, and the, although they still continued with the college side of things, the football thing stopped. So where you've got the chances, and I feel for not just my son, but for everyone in the situation where you're at the academy, you've got the games, and they get the scouts to come down to look at you. Uh, do you, uh, do you feel like during that period, so much going on, that he's been well supported by, don't mention the club, but the club that he's at? Yeah, they, the, the college was very, very... Um, supportive, and I've got a good network of uh, friends in football that we we know that are ex-professionals uh, that I can always sort of call and speak to, um, and they were very supportive and gave him support as well. So it was um, fortunately he got through the two years were up, and obviously he's nineteen now, um, and he's still playing football. He's playing for a local club, which is good, and he's you know, but the support was there. Um, I want to ask you a question. I want you to be really honest with me as as a parent. 
things seem to be going very well for your son. Do you feel like you, the family, the club have prepared him for the worst if that day ever does come that he that he doesn't make it? Do you feel like you've been speaking to him about other things away from football? Is he ready if that did come? He's what they've uh, we we had the conversation because he's he's been through well. It's like a, a very minimal percentage that make it as a professional footballer. He's full aware, fully aware of that. He's actually managed to secure himself uh, a job, so he gets to work Monday to Friday and then plays football for the local team on Saturday and plays other football on a Sunday. So, which is he's doing what he loves. He's got a job, and if he, he's putting himself in a shop window, but if he gets a chance. It'll be great, but he's where he's got his head screwed on, which I'm pleased because he's he's had he's been in in, in and around the game since he was seven. Roy, what's his uh, ambition? It's Troy here. Sorry, what's his ambition hello, ultimately? Hello. He, yeah, hello, mate. Yeah, yeah. he 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 definitely he'd like to be a footballer. Uh, he'd lo- he'd love to be a footballer. Um, um, where is but, he now in terms of his kind of understanding that it may may not happen? Is he in a good place? Does he feel that he's got everything around him, including the support of you as a family, to be able to to handle the the next stage of that process? Yeah, I, I think so. We've been we've been very supportive with him uh, on it, and we've had sort of talks. Um, so if it doesn't happen, he's he's got his head that he, you know he'd like yeah. to do his coaching badges and stuff, and sort of and give something back to the game. Brilliant. Um, which. You know, I, I can only applaud him on because for all the kids that have been through, like everyone that's been through the situation, it, it's it's tough for everyone. But if you can get some light at the end of the tunnel, mm. uh, then I think that's a, a positive thing for everyone to think about. Absolutely. Roy, appreciate your call. Thanks, Thanks for Roy. getting in Thanks, touch with TalkSport this evening. 03717 Before we break, let's quickly speak to Tom. Uh, good evening, Tom. What's your experience? Hey, well, lads. Yeah, I'm all right. How are you? Very Hi, nice. Tom. We're all, all good. Right. Yeah, not, yeah, not so bad. So, um, my stepson Jack, um, he's eleven. Um, he's played at quite a good standard in um, in a Manchester league for quite some time. Um, we got him into an academy um, in the summertime. They did a talent ID for three weeks, and he got whistled down. Um, and he's had the opportunity to play. An academy level at the age of eleven, um, with you know sort of professional coaches, it's a completely different standards, uh, really, of coaching that I've seen over the years from what he was, you know, at a grassroots club mm-hmm. to you know being in a professional academy now, um, and he's you know, <clears throat> excuse me, and he's had an all round really really good experience on the whole, especially for that age. I think it's really really important that they really hone in on, you know. So they really hone in on the whole game of football, not just specific positions. What, which you know, sort of what was happening, um, you know, at grassroots level football. You know, you get stuck in one position. Mm. Tom, Tom, hi, Troy. How, how do you think your stepson has found the transition? As he, as it kind of, have you seen the difference in him between the time that he's been in that professional academy from when he was playing grassroots? Yeah, definitely. You know, definitely. I mean, you know, sort of grassroots was one training session a week, you know, for maybe you know, uh, sort of 45 minutes to an hour. Now it's three sessions a week and um, over 90 minutes of training. It's a big commitment for everyone involved, but yeah. I think he's evolved, you know, a lot as a player and Good. a lot as a person. And I found it 
a really refreshing experience. There's a lot of support there. They've got physios at training. Um, you know, anything that goes wrong, you know, is put right. They film every session. They film every game. Um, and then they go through, you know, sort of what's going well and what's going wrong with the player individually. So it's a... It's such a, you know, really, really refreshing experience. What I would say, Tom, is it sounds great. He's at a clearly great club with great facilities. Um, a bit like I asked our last caller, is, is there preparation from the club, from you as well? He's, he's so young that if he doesn't make it, and we, we know the percentages already, under 1% of these players will make it through the academy into the first team at these clubs. Um is it all still for you guys about enjoyment or do you do you have a goal of reaching the first team for him even though he's he's so young and if it weren't to work out is that the messaging there that you know it's a small chance for him do you do, do you put any of those things in his mind or just let him go out and play just let him go out and play this football mm. um, if he wasn't enjoying it he wouldn't be there and I'd pull him out straight away if it was too you know sort of too much pressure and it was too much honed in on like you've got to make it you've got to make it then he wouldn't be there just, you know it's just as simple as that you can't put a massive amount of pressure on kids that under the age of 16, I don't think, because why, you know, they're not going to perform well. You know, they're always going to be thinking about, you know, sort of the next performance and, you know, sort of how we're going to play, um, which isn't going to do anyone any favours. Um, so, yeah, if he wasn't enjoying it, he wouldn't be playing. Tom, it's Leanne here. Um, I think it's really refreshing to hear how supportive you are of your son. But I would say as well, like, what is your experience like after the games? Like when your son gets in the car, do you talk about the games and stuff like that? Well, yeah, if he doesn't play well, he gets a rollicking. That's it. <laughs> but no, um, is that no. right? No, no, I'm only joking. Oh, okay. Yeah, we have because you said it was all about enjoyment. So, and listen, <laughs> yeah. what, I'm not trying to, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to punish you here or say say anything like that because we've all had it. Parents have done it. You know, you, you do. You, your child wants to enjoy it. If you feel they've made a mistake, I think most parents would point it out. I'm not punishing you for that, but yeah, you, you no, know, I, you are right to say that it still has out. to still has to be about enjoyment, right? Yeah, it's important to point out, you know, you know where he's going wrong, you know, you know, but at the same time, it's all about what he's done well. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't expect anything less off a coach, off a parent, off anybody else, you know, to not point out where things are going wrong because that's how you learn and that's how you develop. Tom, appreciate your call. Thank Best you, Best of luck Thanks, to your Tom. young man uh, with his his future endeavours in football. 03717 More of your calls next on TalkSport. One of the things why I always say, you know, is if you don't want your son to be disappointed, don't bring him to a professional football club because everybody eventually gets released from the club and 99% of, of, of the players don't even stay in the game. I think it's been very, very difficult for kids to accept that this is just another job application. That's all it is. This is just a 12-year audition until people uh, realise that. I think we're always going to have the, the, the problem of kids, I wouldn't say falling off the edge, but you know, really suffering when they get released. That was the voice of Chris Ramsey, Queen's Park Rangers head of coaching, of course, formerly working uh, as a first team coach at, at Spurs as well. Huge experience in the game. 
and a strong message, an eye-opening message, to be honest. Very real from Chris Ramsey there about just how difficult it can be in a professional football club. We're talking about professional football academies tonight on kickoff. I'm Hugh Wisencroft, alongside the former England striker Leanne Sanderson and kick it out's Troy Townsend. Uh, later this hour, we'll be speaking to the mother of an academy player as well as AFC Wimbledon's performance mindset coach. But we want to keep your calls going on 03717 Let's quickly speak to Josh. Good evening. Hello, good evening there. Uh, Hi, t- Josh. T- Hi, Josh. Tell us your experiences, Hi. Josh. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a PE teacher. Just, um, uh, been, can I ask you, Can you try, yeah. we're going to try and protect our young people tonight, so try and leave yeah, out yeah. the name of the young person if you can, but go ahead, Josh. Oh, no, no, I wasn't going to mention any names or anything like that. No, no, no. Go ahead. Um, it was just um, uh, when, I was, when, I, when I've been teaching in a specific school, and I won't say where, um, they had a, a football academy mm-hmm. within, within the school. And um, I've, I've had kind of, from, from my approach when I was there, I had a very negative um, experience of that kind of academy. And the reason was because the kind of, the, these, these, these students are getting sold the dream of they're going to make it at such and such a club. Um, and and, it's, and, it, and it, it takes them out of their lessons. And then once they're sold this dream, it's a case of they're not putting the work in in other subjects, even in PE, when they're coming to do PE, they're not really bothered. They're all football driven. But it's it's the, the culture was there, and I think we all know about that kind of football culture in the dressing room, things like that. And that got brought into the school as well. So I mean, that kind of stuff got eradicated at a point. But it was just a really negative that, that there was no like you've been talking about. Was there any preparation for these for these students to to not make it as a professional footballer or make it into an academy? And there was none of that, and it just really. It just a really negative impact, and it was a very poisonous um, kind of attitude in that in in that time in that time frame with them. Yeah, Josh Leanne here. I mean, I've obviously had different experiences of academies. I've seen people go to academies, but at your particular school, wasn't it based upon like? Because I remember my, some of my teammates weren't able to train if they didn't go yeah. to school. Is that not something that they put in place, or was uh, it that no, like the better players no, didn't we- really have to go to school? No, well, they were they were in school, but they were taken out of lessons that were weren't really deemed um, subject to train to to train, yeah, mm. to train and to play. And they had obviously they obviously had sessions built in, but it was kind of one of them things where it was like they they, they kind of owned the school, if that makes sense. Yeah, they owned Absolutely. the school, and they, they thought they could get away with murder because they were in this academy, and they thought they were the big big I am and things like that. Mm-hmm. It was just. It was just really, it was really sad to see that these kids, and I saw it when I was there at the time, you had you had kids in year 11 that weren't really bothered about the GCSEs because, oh, I'm going to play for such and such a club or I'm going to get picked up. Josh, and then when, Josh. They came, when they came in August, there was, there, was, there was no club and no results. And it was just a shame to see them throw away such an important part of their life. Josh, Troy, Troy here. Um, to be honest, I can resonate with what you just said because I was one of those kids that didn't care about my GCSEs, to be totally honest, once I thought I was going to be at a club. But Josh, the, the most important question is, what do you think the right fit is then? How do we control that environment to be able to make them appreciate the schooling environment as well as the football academy environment as well? Well, I think it's, I think they call it the golden triangle, don't they? So it's got to be a link between teachers, parents and the, the, the student itself. Mm. And I think, you know, it, I had a lot of times where I had a lot of running with parents and things like that because they all, they obviously kind of bought into this dream as well. And I think yeah, to, to answer your question, really, it's education, isn't it? And I know that sounds daft to say no, in no, school, no. Yeah. But, but I think they need to be educated more. And, and I think kids even in, in these academies, when they're at schools, need to need to have that kind of almost that real you know dialogue that you've been talking about. I, I heard a caller earlier saying that they sat there and they're, 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 they're um, 
shoot their kid, sorry, down and said, actually, this might not be what's going to Are you talking about a harsh truth, Josh, there? Yeah, I, I am, yeah. I mm. think sometimes, I think, I think, I think we try and, and I think I, I think you guys will know, and I, I've had it in experience as a PE teacher. I, the the um, the more the age groups grow up, the, it's the dilution comes and it's it's harder, and you, you you see the kids can see that top of Everest getting closer and closer. Yeah. But as you know, we feel from experience, seventeen, eighteen year old, it can be one false step and the the, the wipe back down to earth. So it's I think education. I think they need to know that. That it's really important that we do have GCSEs. I know I'm going off topic a bit. I was going to be a rugby. I was going to be a rugby league player when I was younger, but thankfully I listened to my mom, my dad. I had good teachers, uh, got a good education. Obviously, like every every PE teacher is quite kind of a failed sportsman. So, so yeah, education I would say is the key thing. But um, yeah, I just just wish that you know that that they had a bit, a bit more about them or people around them gave them that mentality of not selling them that dream. Obviously, do sell them the dream, but also making sure that they know that that sometimes is the reality is they might not make it or mm. there's a big chance they're not going to make it. Josh, appreciate your call on TalkSport this Josh. evening. He's given us a call on 03717 More guests to come this hour. As I said, we'll speak to the mother of an academy player. We'll also speak to AFC Wimbledon's performance mindset coach. Drop your texts and questions in 81089. You can tweet us at TalkSportKO. Kickoff on Talksport with myself, Hugh Wasencroft, alongside Kicking Outs, Troy Townsend, and the former Arsenal and Juventus striker Leanne Sanderson. Uh, England still 3 1 up, the under 21s taking on the Czech Republic in Turf Moor. It is, it has been confirmed. We were <laughs> arguing about this uh, during our No, half-time. Hugh, you just wasn't agreeing with us. It, it's Turf Moor officially. <laughs> it didn't look like Turf Moor to me, but it is Turf Moor, and England looking comfortable at the moment 3 1 up. Uh, also, Rail, uh, excuse me, Rail, Republic of Ireland taking on Portugal. Goalless at halftime. We'll keep you up to date with that one as well. But this evening we are discussing football academies because it was all a dream. The football academy journey is a great three-part series we've got for you. Uh, just look it up wherever you get your podcast from. It was all a dream. And honestly, I was listening to it a little bit earlier on and I managed to listen through all three without even realising. Got to the end and I honestly went back on and thought there must be more. It just flew by. It's such a good listen. So make sure you check it out. And we've been sharing, you've been sharing your stories of professional academies. We're going to speak to the mother of a former academy player next. Good evening, Stephanie. How are you? Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Good evening, Steph. Good evening. Tell us about your son's journey in academy football, um, what it was like for him and what was it like for you as a parent seeing him in that system? Yeah, so I haven't heard any story like mine um, on this show this evening. So I look back with regards to the journey, it was like a 12 years experience that I've actually been through. So with my son, he was identified at the age of seven, went to a development um, centre and then very quickly went on to academy. So he was then at under eight. So he had a few years there, three years, but then at under 11s, I took him out of the academy. Now, the reason why... Yes, the, um, the reason why I took him out of the academy was because I felt that the club had fallen short with their duty of care to my son. Um, we left the academy. It wasn't an easy thing to do, I would say that. And there was discussions because the club wanted compensation. However, we were then able to leave on free. 
after that, my son was then playing um, Sunday league football, county football, and any competition that he could play in. And within that time, there was numerous trials which were unsuccessful. But then at the age of 15, he then went on trial again at another club. Um, and within three weeks, he was offered a scholarship. At the age of 17, he played um, League One football. Now 20 years of age, in the second year of um, of his pro, um, 25 appearances. And I know probably the question that you are going to ask me or Troy will ask me <laughs> is um, to take your son out of an academy or a Cat 1 academy at that stage was a big decision to make. Do you want to add anything, Troy? Steph, no, that is exactly the question I was going to ask. You know me too well. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've not heard many stories of parents taking their, their, their yeah. youngsters out of academy football because it's like taking them out of the holy grail isn't it you know never to return how important was that decision in your son's development and for you as a family i think as a family due to the issue that actually occurred uh, that actually occurred we had to make that decision at that time because it was not it was not right and there wasn't a duty of care for my son at that time um with regards to his development i would say that you know, it probably did affect his development through not being in academy for those four years. However, the one thing with my son is what I would say, he he's gained such resilience through that process of coming out of the academy, then going back to trials and, you know, having the knockbacks. And he's just become like, you know, the drive to succeed. But that's that has come from him. It hasn't come from me. When you, Stephanie, hi, Leanne here, yeah. when you um, took your son out of the academy at the age of eight, what was that conversation like? And did he fully understand, like, why you were doing it? And what was it? There's two questions here. What was it that kept him, you know, going to yeah. want to play still? I think because of the issue that actually happened, he he could completely understand why we actually took him out you know and even last night when I spoke to him um, and I said to him do you think we made the right decision and he said yes you did make the right decision because first and foremost I would say when you're in an academy you have to be a parent first Mm -hmm. sometimes I, I, I think we get lost in that bubble and that you know we don't voice our opinions or you know always scared to because I do feel there are some ramifications that parents will feel that come of you know having discussions or not agreeing with how things are at clubs. Stephanie what I was stunned to hear um, I think your son was 11 years old when you took him out of the first academy um, and you did that for a safeguarding issue and, 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 and the club a duty of care issue excuse me and the club wanted compensation Yes, so it wasn't easy to get out of that, you know, and, you know, there was discussions around it. However, then, you know, it was mutual consent. However, there was compensation that was actually attached to it. And then I had to still fight, you know, to get him out on a free so he could go to any club without a compensation clause on I think we we just lost Stephanie. We'll try and get her back. Oh, Oh, hi, Stephanie. Say it again. Yes. So, sorry, where, where did we last get to? What the compensation of oh, the... I, Yeah, I was just going to yeah. say, compensation is a massive thing to discuss and we probably neglected that even in the, um, in the documentary. Um, Steph, do you mind if I ask, just, mm-hmm. uh, just how did your son remain focused on the dream? 
Do you know, the, the one thing I would say with him, it, it's always been his dream, though, Troy. It's never been my dream. And he's always been so driven and so determined that that is what he actually wanted to do. So it hasn't been me pushing him towards that. And it's just been him, his focus completely throughout. I think the good lessons to be learned here as well, Stephanie, is that I would just applaud you for putting your son's, you know, duty of care first, because I think there's a lot of parents that, they live Absolutely. their dream through their kids. That's what yes. I see, you know, from having my own academy in America and just being all yeah. over the world, whether you're in England or anywhere else. I feel like sometimes the parents didn't make it as footballers and they put yeah. so much pressure yeah. on their kids. Yeah. So I've got to applaud you for doing doing the right thing. So well done you. Yeah. Amazing, Steph. I, I do also think that, like, you know, with, with, with um, the job that I actually do and because I'm in education as well and I studied sports science and so forth, you know, I had a real good understanding of it. Not a lot of parents have that understanding, which is why I do feel that there needs to be more support for parents within this journey and what the journey actually looks like because you and I know what the statistics are and the probability is that your son isn't going to make it. You've read my three-point plan, haven't you, Steph? Oh, no. <laughs> Let, let's hear it then, Troy. What is the three-point plan? So one of the three-point plans is exactly what Steph has spoken about there, parents and guardian, guardians being provided with the appropriate courses to make them understand the game and how academies work. So when they get in there, they're not just left to, don't worry, we'll take your son or your daughter, but they're given an, an idea of what the journey looks like mm-hmm. and also for them to then go away and actually do their own learning as well. Yeah. Um, clearer ownership and oversight of academy football by the game's authorities for me, who owns academy football? Who is it that's driving the message in academy football from the coaching perspective, mm. from the parental perspective, from the player perspective? It's all over the place. And probably the massive one is is no matter what level, so what category you're at, one to four, um, what league you're in, to ring fence money to ensure that there's enough to go around the 92 club so they're able to, you know, that duty of care, able to support the players in their care, not by someone who's got multiple roles, but by someone and a team of people that have a defined role in this area to support the players for all the hardships and all the good times they go through as well. Um, And on top of that, make sure that the retain and release uh, system is overhauled for me personally. What overhaul do you want to see? What overhaul do I want to see? I I want a a better process in place. I want people to come into the environment knowing that there is the potential that actually there is a retained potential and there's a release potential. What does the release potential mean? You know, what what is that? What does it look like? I don't think people think about that, Troy, do they? No, they don't. You don't want to start thinking about getting released from a club, but I think that's one of the biggest problems, isn't it? It's essential conversationally, Anne, don't you think? Yeah, it is definitely, because I don't think anyone is ever prepared for it. You know, one of my former teammates, her brother was at the Arsenal Academy years ago and he ended up getting released. He was a reserve team captain and then he ended up getting a job, you know, I think he got a job as a gas man because he Mm. had no qualifications. Mm. But the good thing about some of the academies now is that you can go to school. You know, because I mm. think sometimes there's a balance, isn't there? There's some people that have had bad experiences with academies. Of course, yeah. And there's some people that have had good experiences. And there's probably, I think tonight, there's been a lot of callers that have had probably their fair share. Yeah. I'd say a lot of positive experiences. Mm-hmm. But obviously what we see now is a lot of people not having great experiences in the media. And unfortunately, it takes some one bad situation to happen for everybody to act upon it, don't we? Stephanie, before you go, what's, what would your one biggest piece of advice be to a parent who has a child in an academy right now? Yeah, I would I would basically say to them, educate yourself, um, have a network around you who you can talk to and bounce things off of, because there's not a lot of parents that actually um, have that. 
but you know you need to know what the journey looks like and people need to speak about the journey because there are so many ups and downs the journey is not linear there are so many ups and downs and and as young like footballers they need to be given the skills to actually deal with those ups and downs Stephanie, thank you so Thanks, much Stephanie. for joining Thanks, us uh, on TalkSport this evening. We wish you and your son the best of luck with his professional career, young age, of course, but uh, wish him all the best. Much more to come. Up next, we will speak to AFC Wimbledon's performance mindset coach. Stay with us on TalkSport. Oh, in fact, there's a couple of bits of breaking news that I should tell you about immediately. Slightly distracted. Uh, what? What, what, Troy? <laughs> Jesus. We don't need breaking news now, do we? <laughs> uh, listen, TalkSport understands that Steve Morrison, the former Cardiff and Wales striker, will be announced as the new Cardiff City boss, replacing Mick McCarthy tomorrow. It is also expected that we will have news on the new Norwich City boss very, very soon. So stick with us on TalkSport. Now, Jordan, because Jordan was in a place because of a football club. No, let me change that. Not because of a football club. Because of staff of a football club. We've seen, and I hope I don't embarrass, we've seen Jordan cry. We've seen Ryan cry. I've seen my wife cry. I've even cried. Now, this is football, Troy. This is football. Had I known that this is the environment that I'm putting putting him into, he wouldn't have gone anywhere near it. You're listening to Kick Off on TalkSport with myself, Hugh Wisencroft, alongside Kick It Out's uh, Troy Townsend and the former England and Arsenal striker, Leanne Sanderson. And you heard there from Roger Eli, former Burnley, is that right? Talking about his son, uh, Jordan, and the experiences that his son had been through in the academy. And it is... It is a re- it's really great to hear from them, basically, in, in, in the documentary. It was all a dream. The Football Academy journey. Just listening to a parent who has been a player talking about, you know, their son. And, and he, he says, you know, it's not that my son didn't have difficult experiences with football or even with the club, but it was with the individuals. And it, it goes down to that level, that, that individual level on how we take care of our players. Everyone has to be in yeah. on it. Everyone has to be in in terms of taking care of the players that go through this system. Thank you all for getting in touch as well on 03717 Not long left on this. We're going to speak to someone who is working in this field right now, though. AFC Wimbledon's performance mindset coach, Steve Salis, joins us on TalkSport. Good evening, Steve. Good evening, you three. Nice to hear from you and hello. Hi, Good Steve. evening, Steve. Thank you so much for joining us, Steve. Tell us about mental health and well-being within academy football. Where do you think it sits right now? Um, well, it's a subjective answer in terms of I, I can't really tell you other than all I know is that there's some absolutely wonderful people in the game. Um, I think the problem with the game is, is that there isn't um, people at the level of the decision-makers implementing strategy to make the changes. So there's always been brilliant, good practice. There's always been bad practice. But in terms of the well-being, I mean, every every single player gets access to a, an education and welfare officer uh, who's who's formerly in academy football. Um, so, I mean, they're, they're, it's, it's, I'd say it's a subjective answer because in, in all industry, there's, there's some game changers that change your lives. Unfortunately, there's some people that are substandard. So... Uh, I don't want to speak on behalf of all the clubs. All I can do is only come from my lens, you know. Go ahead, Drew. Steve, uh, hi, how you doing? Um, 
How important, Steve, is that player welfare bit? I know you had it when you was at Millwall and it was part of a, a dual role that you had. Um, but how important is it, particularly in this day and age and, and the way that the game's going from the academy structure to the professional structure, how important is a player welfare person within a football environment? Well, they're, they're absolutely golden. And we, we talk about multidisciplinary, but it's actually interdisciplinary and in how, how that fits into the whole child. I mean, and football talks a lot about, you know, holistic development, doesn't it, Troy? But yeah. unfortunately, there are still people that don't really know loads about child development. They know loads about 11 v 11. They know about overloads and coaching, but they don't know about how we, how we add value and develop children. So I think that there's still that missing gap. Um, there are people in the industry that are trying to make changes like myself and, and seven or eight others, you know, nationwide. But there is, um, there's a massive part for welfare to be played just to really understand, Troy, in a very simple way, just child development, mate. Yeah. Steve, is, is similar to your job that what you do is almost like a sports psychologist or because I remember when I was at England, the sports psychologist was really impactful, especially at tournaments, you know, just being able to go and speak to somebody and even the players that were reluctant to speak to somebody, by the when they started speaking, they actually felt like it was really helpful. Mm. Yeah, I mean, as you know, Leanne, it's nice to hear from you as well. I was a school teacher for for 17 years and taught 40,000 kids. So my experiences are primarily with children. Obviously, I did my degree in PE and my my master's degree was in educational psychology, not sports psychology. Now, I don't want to get sounding pedantic, but they might as well be the same thing. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Yeah, it's how we develop people um, and how we develop people, I think, is is that actually there's now become a science to it. If we look at Carol Dweck's work around growth mindset, we look at how a gardener's work around multiple intelligences and the, and the ability to have an intelligence to have a great relationship with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I'm not football bashing in this context, but most football academy coaches, most of them, not all, because there are some great developers out there, only know about football. And, and sometimes I do think, is that their fault or is that, is that the coaching mm-hmm. licences or you know, where's the gaps? And I, and I suppose I'm pretty, pretty fortunate that the Premier League and the LFE are, are really trying to make changes to adding value to the holistic development of these young people. Steve, from your perspective, uh, what does best practice look like then in the academy in regards to this topic? Um, I think it would be wonderful, Troy, if everyone said sensible things every day. Um, and don't get try and try and get too emotional. I think we have to educate. And there was the PE teacher came on earlier, didn't he? he talked about triangulation. I think that's key. Yeah, I say this quite confidently with with clarity. Um, sorry, with alignment we create clarity, and with with misalignment we create chaos. So how can we have the confidence to speak to the parents? And I suppose I have to share this with you. My experiences of education compared to football are we have so many difficult conversations in education. And I think they're just daily, whereas sometimes in football, they're only yearly, i.e. retain release. Mm. So I just think that upskilling staff as well with, with, with having the sort of transparency, you know, academy staff to say, look, it's, it's really unlikely your son's going to be a professional football player, but we will do everything we can to, to try and make them. Now, because someone is going to be a professional footballer and someone is going to go and play for England. So I do think there is a balance to be had, but... I don't think it's people are dishonest, um, you three. I just think some sometimes the coaches haven't got the skills. I agree with it's that. Not that. They don't want to do well. They just don't have them. I agree with that. And I think I've had good and bad experiences with coaches, but it goes back to that old cliche. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. And I think we worked a lot 
in our England team based upon, you know, individual performance, but also how you communicate with each other. And what you might receive might be different to what your teammate receives. And I think it was really impactful from a team perspective. And I think that's why we were so successful in 2015 at the World Cup based upon not only that, Mm. but it's a big part of the game. Like I went the whole tournament without a manager really speaking to me. And then you start questioning yourself as an individual because football's all you know. Yeah. Yeah. Steve, very quickly, just had a message in from John. He says, my son's 10, he's in a Category 1 Premier League academy. The problem I find isn't with coaches or anybody at the club, but I find it's parents who are deluded. They think their son's going to be a pro at that young age, and they put so much pressure on them. How do you help your young players cope with the pressure? Um, well, for, 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 for that point of view, ironically, it's supporting the parents. I'm speaking on behalf of the Football League, actually, next month. To every academy parent, we've got potentially 500 on the call where I'm going to give, you know, my, my experiences of how to help not hinder your children. So the pressure thing, honestly, the, most of the coaches are all pretty good. Like they're not, they're not old school anymore. I think, I think it's a lot of the time it's upskilling the parents. And if we don't triangulate that, i.e. the player of the player, the, the pupil and, the, and the, you know, the academy player and, and the club, then there isn't alignment. And I keep saying it with alignment, we've got clarity and with misalignment, we've got chaos. So, we just keep need to driving change, you know, upskilling each other on, on, you know, the proper pedagogy to improve it. And when I mean pedagogy, I mean the actual science behind how we help people. Really interesting to hear from you, Steve. Thank you so much for joining Thanks, us Thanks, Steve. on TalkSport this evening. Thanks. That is Steve Salis, AFC Wimbledon's performance mindset coach. And thank you all for getting involved on this topic. We've still got an hour to go before Sports Bar here on TalkSport. It's been so intriguing from here to, just to hear from so many of you who have experiences of professional football academies. In the next hour, we're going to hear from Sam Allardyce. We're going to hear from the England boss, Gareth Southgate, as well. We'll talk Villa, Newcastle, Norwich as well. Stay with us on TalkSport. 